You're listening to the Buildify Method Podcast, where we're all about mindset, systems, and profit. As a nationally recognized business consultant, coach, and speaker, your host, Aaron Keith, is passionate about supporting the entrepreneur community by sharing his knowledge gained from coaching over 10,000 entrepreneurs in nearly 20 years at companies ranging from billion-dollar enterprises and celebrities all the way to Main Street and small startups. Each Buildisode's blunt, no-bullshit conversation is led by Aaron along with his co-host, Ryan Coyne, a veteran tech consultant and nationally recognized speaker. Each week, Aaron and Ryan deconstruct mental and physical aspects of the topics that challenge all successful entrepreneurs, while also providing coaching, insight, and specific advice on distinctions that affect all growth-minded entrepreneurs. So listen up. It's time to work on your business, not just in your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Aaron Keith, and I welcome you all to the Buildify Method podcast. I'm joined today with my co-host, Ryan Coyne. Thank you so much, Aaron. Today is a very, very special day on the Buildify Method podcast. We have somebody who is in a visual, hot industry, somebody who is viewed as an expert in their field, somebody who connects with a lot of the same kinds of companies and celebrities, small businesses to huge businesses, somebody who has made quite the name for themselves and takes this craft very, very seriously. We're joined today by David Brickley of STN Digital. Thank you so much, David, for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for the kind intro. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Your public relations checks are clearing still, so we'll keep yes. on saying the nice things for you. No problem. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about STN Digital? Yeah, of course. Um, so STN is a social first marketing agency. We work with some of the biggest brands in the world uh, in the sports, entertainment, CPG land. So anywhere from the Green Bay Packers, NBC Sports, Fox Sports, uh, Hulu, FX, um, clients like, you know, even Elton John and, uh, you know, Clean and Clear, Nike, Puma, you name it, kind of in that in that in sphere we work in. Um, and really, it's anything, if anybody's familiar with digital marketing, I mean, anything other digital marketing umbrella. So from full social media management to paid media to analytics to on-site activations to virtual events uh, to branding, 360 marketing, pretty much you name it we do it in the marketing space. Um, and it's it's been a fun ride. I'm going to need some orange slices and a nap after all of that. My goodness. <laughs> you, you, you listed so many billions of dollars in market cap in, yeah. in one statement. Yeah. Um, that is staggering. And congratulations to you, just kind of as Thank an aside you. that you've achieved all that. Um, and it's actually, it's in that vein that we kind of have a, an idea of what we want to talk to you about. Aaron and I put prep and we think to ourselves, what are the magic questions to ask this person? We could ask them anything. We could say, what do you right. eat for breakfast? We could ask all, right. but to us, you have reached the mountaintop and maybe to you, it's only a smaller mountain and it's not yet Everest. I'm sure as an entrepreneur, <laughs> you have many things that you still wish to achieve. Okay. But to a lot of people looking up at you and not just because you're six, three, a lot of people looking up at you would say, my goodness, how did you do that? So my first yeah. question is, what would you give a business owner in terms of advice that has aspirations of landing whale clients and big brands like you have? Yeah. Uh, to give a little bit more context, I'll back up a little bit. And, you know, I, I grew up, you know, playing sports, loving sports. I went to San Diego State College for uh, broadcast journalism. I wanted to be you know, on the radio, Scott Van Pelt, Sports Center anchor, things like that. So I actually moved to LA and worked at Fox Sports Radio for three and a half years. 
as a producer. And in my opinion, I wasn't getting the David Brickley radio show quick enough uh, from my program director. So I kind of took destiny in my own hands. And back in 2011, I launched my own YouTube channel. And what I would do is after hours, I would use the multi-million dollar Fox Sports Radio facilities as my set with the great lighting and the great audio and everything like wow. that. And I recorded, <laughs> I recorded this show that I wish I was being paid to do pretty much for free. And back then in 2011, Ryan, you probably can speak to this. I mean, YouTube was relatively still in its infancy. There wasn't a lot of original it, it sports was the, It was content. the evolution of dance video. It was Wizards in Winter synced to Christmas lights. Right. And there was like 10 <laughs> videos that everybody had seen. A little, little film seen. to Franco. But yeah. as far as like sports, uh, original sports content, nobody was creating original sports content. So we actually got on the front page of YouTube.com quite a bit. We had a partner rep there. We were getting a little bit of a following. Um, and I think this kind of goes into my answer for your question. I was a diehard Laker fan my entire life. I idolized Kobe Bryant. And I had an idea. I'm like, I'm going to approach Kobe Bryant and his team. I want to do a Kobe Minute, a video that can be talking about his on-the-court and off-the-court success. Um, I would post it on my YouTube channel as long as he would post it on his social media and website. And I pitched it to him, and he said, let's do it. So those videos got 300 to 400,000 views wow. because the algorithm back then with Twitter and Facebook on Kobe Bryant's official pages just skyrocketed. So for me, that was the epiphany. Before then, I never really wanted to own a company, even though my family has family companies and things like that. I didn't want to run an agency, but that was the epiphany. Like, Wait a second. I love sports. I just took Desi in my own hands. I just pitched my biggest idol in the world to work with them. He said, yes. Why can't I work with other athletes, other teams, other brands that I'm passionate about? And that was really the epiphany. So I think to answer your original question, I think the biggest problem people have is a self-limiting beliefs. And I guess you know, give props to my parents for always telling me, even though I averaged six points a, a game in high school, that I could still make the NBA anytime <laughs> I put my mind to, I can do it. But I really feel like I just don't have any guard on my brain to say, why not? Why can't I work with my childhood idol? Why, why can't I work with any brand? And I got pretty lucky early on to have a few people say yes. So then that just kind of opened up the, you know. That's like your the, first girlfriend or boyfriend being like a perfect 10. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> already, oh, seriously. Yeah. That's the Kobe Bryant story. So I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know, not to not to take the conversation down, but I'm sure yeah. you had a really tough day and tough period last year. Yeah. What was interesting is obviously I knew how much he was important to not only me, but my business. You know, although he wasn't a a investor in STN, he definitely was the first person to like nudge me like in a in a He was a building you know, block, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um yeah, he was our first client. It kind of it kind of gave me that epiphany. Like, Wait a second, let me turn this thing into a company. And that changed a lot of people's lives. So yeah, that was obviously a tough day. But what was so cool about it is how many people around the world that he touched just through that mama mentality and his his work ethic and his motivation. Uh, it was so cool to see so many people come out and say, yeah, that dude like inspired me to be better at being a cook or be better at doing IT just because like he was such a curious person and uh, uh, someone that just beat his craft to death that anybody can appreciate that type of work ethic. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. So, so through that lens, so Kobe was, was definitely, it was a, it was a big stepping stone for you and it was yep. a great start. So through that lens, you know, how, what, what advice would you give somebody in terms of shooting for the moon in their own way and, and other things that they might be able to do and, and advice that you would give about landing yeah. those, those big clients and brands? You know, to, to use that example, eight years ago, you know, someone like Kobe and all athletes were looking for a way to produce high quality content, hopefully at a, at a discounted rate. So that was something that I was able to come up with an idea that some of that, that, that fit a problem that they have, which is obviously business one-on-one. But I think when it comes to these big brands and big celebrities, you're really selling time. 
How do you become a seamless extension of their internal team? How do you do the homework so they don't have to? And really, you know, our philosophy is how do we put our clients, whether it's FX, Hulu, or Fox Sports, how do we put them in the editor-in-chief seat where all they have to do is sit back, relax, and react mm -hmm. to ideas, creative strategy, and really make sure that you know, you are being an asset and you are being that seamless extension. So, you know, a lot of people wonder why, you know, these multi-billion dollar companies, they don't have enough people to work on social marketing. The answer is no, they don't have three and a half hours to whiteboard out an idea for one of their 27 shows that premiere this fall on their lineup. So they reach out to experts like us to be able to kind of say, hey, can you just like put some TLC on this brand for us and come up with some really innovative ways to push it. And then we'll give you the green light if we like them. So that's what I've kind of realized over time is you're you're selling these people that don't have a lot of time, you're selling them time back by being able to own a lane on one of their many, you know, many disciplines. Yeah. And kind of to one of the points you just brought up, you're you're being an extension of another company. So when I when I'm looking at other CEOs, other entrepreneurs that are are working their way up in the ranks and starting to land these whale clients or looking and wanting to land these whale clients, something I notice time after time, which you just uh, kind of hit on here, is process. You have a process in place where you could work seamlessly with another company, right? Yeah. So because when you're working with a whale client, that whale, that client, their staff have impeccable systems and processes generally, right? They didn't get there by winging it. So they've, they've now built this company and they're looking for a partner that can integrate with them that has the same detail, right? The same attention to detail, the same attention to focus and process. So one of the things I tell a lot of entrepreneurs that are looking to land these well clients, and David, I'm sure you can concur with this, is really dial in your systems, dial in your processes, dial in your communication. Because when you start to interact, when you get that opportunity, and it is an opportunity to land that whale client, they're going to be vetting those things. And even getting super micro and granular, do you send your whale client, like you said, six emails over the course of a Thursday? Or can you consolidate all that in one email for them to react to? Like those small little differences are able to really make their life easier and they're not in email land and all this homework. Because if someone you know hires you and pays you a big a big sum to help them, yet they find themselves with all this homework every day just to get the help, that becomes an issue as well. So really the customer experience and how do we make their life easier is a constant question we're asking ourselves because these are people that don't have a lot of time and their time is valuable. Right. So everybody who's out there, if you're looking to land whale clients, really listen to what David's saying. Really listen to our experience on this. I work with celebrity clients, billion dollar companies for the last decade and a half. And it's really interesting because, and David, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Yeah. There's that opportunity, that first opportunity to land that first billion dollar client, that first celebrity. And uh, your nerves get racing. The opportunity is you're not sleeping at night like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this could be a game changer. What advice would you give that young entrepreneur who's on the precipice of, of landing that big whale client for the very first time? Like, What do they need to have in place as a business? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, you need to make sure that, and it seems simple, right? But make sure that the service you're providing solves a huge hole for them. Um, if you're selling snake oil, it's going to be very difficult for someone to say yes, regardless if you're a well client or not. So I think it's important, you know, when we first started our company, we knew that NFL, NBA teams, large, you know, sports teams, they didn't have the capacity nor the wherewithal to create 
content on a regular basis for social media. They just didn't know how to do that. So we filled that gap. They knew they had an issue. They knew they couldn't solve it internally. So we were able to fill that need. So that's a that's a huge part of, I think, you know, obviously making sure that those clients are being uh, services correctly. Right. Um, Even for me, you know, I just want to interject here for a second. You know, the celebrities and the other high net worth people that I consult, even if they have full IT staffs that are, you know, completely built out, but they reserve certain things for a digital consigliere, some people call me, you know, where they want to know that they can trust that I'm going to make them proud and not embarrass them and not let them down when it comes to the other people yeah. in their life that they're really close to them. Can the guy's wife, can the woman's husband, can the other people that are close in their circle be confident? Is that person going to know in their mind that it's going to be an automatic ace to put me on the field when it comes to the people that are in their inner circle? And that's something that they'll keep you around for life. Right. Yeah. And I think um, another thing we haven't touched on is, in my opinion, the best ability is availability. Um, you know, when it comes to these different clients, if you're the Lakers and you sign LeBron James overnight, you kind of got to call your partner and say, yo, drop everything. Let's roll. And you got to be able to answer that phone call, uh -huh. have those systems. Like Aaron said, do you have people monitoring your inbox seven days a week? Do you have your you know, phone on you? And not to make it where it's actually like a ball and chain, but I mean, these people move at a much faster rate. And, and um, like you said earlier, Ryan, like millions, if not billions of dollars are sometimes on the line uh -huh. when it comes to these show launches, when it comes to these signings, and they have to capitalize uh, with precision and care on these moments. So that's a other, another thing. Like, can they rely on you and trust that you can move quickly yeah. if they need to make a move for their business. Absolutely. I mean, I remember my second celebrity client and, um, you know, it's someone that uh, coin works with as well. I remember our coaching call was 5am San Diego time. So yeah. I was up at four o'clock. I was prepping by four 30 and by 5am I, I was chipper as it can be. I had to be on and that person only had a small amount of time. Yeah. And so you have to do whatever you have to do to grab that relationship and move it forward. And also, you know, to, to your point and, and to Ryan's point, you have an opportunity here. And I always I'm going to keep stressing opportunity, your product, your service better be impeccable, mm -hmm. better be impeccable. And David, I know that because you know, that's something that you are very, very strong at as a business. Yeah, I, I remember that uh, it was my first whale client personally. You know, it wasn't through any of the other companies I'm affiliated with. It was like it was a direct relationship that it was going to be. I had inroads to this person that other people would kill for. That I actually arranged a public speaking event for them. You know, this person's speaking fee was like 50k. Um, somebody knew that I knew the person, and they said, "Can you get him?" I said, "Would you do this?" And the guy's response was, "I like fifty thousand dollars." So he came and did yeah. it and I was there too. And I actually got to introduce them on stage and stuff like that. Nice. And I, my mom even came. Okay. That's how corny it was. Cause for me personally, <laughs> it was a huge deal. So I got my mom a ticket to be there. And when I introduced her to him in the green room, he, I, you know, he, he was saying to her, he's like, coin is a great person. And most importantly for my life, he's responsive. Mm. That was a huge thing. And that was a big takeaway for me knowing that if I'm going to play in that world, you know, that thing, like I, I had to set expectations with my wife. I said, you know, babe, I'm going into this next phase of my career. Correct. I need you to be on, aligned with me that there's going to be moments that are not going to be convenient. It happened. We were standing in line for a ride at Disney World on a family vacation where I promised no phone. That's the red phone that Commissioner Gordon <laughs> picks up, you know, That's when right. Batman's calling, that kind of thing. So, and to your point, yeah, it's like 
And if you're not okay with that and you're about work-life balance and that's not how you want to build your company, well, somebody else will raise their hand and likely say, I'm totally happy to have that 5 a.m. call for my East Coast client. So that's, that's the right. thing. I think the, the competition gets a little more uh, quality towards the top and everybody wants to work with a Netflix. Everybody wants to work with a you know, Los Angeles Lakers or what have you. So, you know, they're able to kind of sit back and, and take a lot of different companies that are more than willing to do whatever they say and maybe not even have proper boundaries that you probably should have as a company. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Ba boundaries is a lowercase b when it comes to this. Exactly. World, you know, right. for sure. Right. So, so with that, can you guys talk about having your credibility dialed in and how to present yourselves properly? Aaron, why don't you start us off with that one? So the credibility, I mean... This is, this is so interesting. I watch so many companies, so many companies where they're young, they're scrappy, they're putting all their effort into how they look. And not to say that your brand and how your brand is presented doesn't matter, but when they're putting so much energy on how they look, they're not spending that time building out their processes, building out their product, building out their service to David's earlier point so that your product, your service is meeting a need and you are really, really cracking at home. Like you have to completely crush it. If your product or your service is mediocre or average and not distinguishing itself from your competitors, these big whale clients are, are not loyal. Uh, I mean, I'd love to hear you know other people's points on this, but from my experience, a lot of these big, big, big clients, as fast as they can come in is as fast as they can go out. They have no problem breaking contracts or adjusting things because they're massive. They have the attorneys, they have the weight. They know yeah. they can do it. So if you're not keeping their attention by producing amazing work, trust me, that relationship gets in danger very quick. So my moral of my story here is, though your credibility is important, though how you look and how you feel with your processes, your procedures, all your branding is important, it's not more important than your product or service. Yeah, and I think... Um... I will say for for us personally, like once we landed Kobe, that gave us the credibility. Like, hey, we work with Kobe Bryant. Oh well, Kobe trusts you, then you're probably okay. You're not just some random person, right? Then we started landing our first couple NFL clients, and once we landed one NFL client, every NFL team gave us the credibility. Like, well, if the New England Patriots use you, then obviously you guys are legitimate. Mm -hmm. So we've done that in every vertical that we've entered, right? From uh, streaming to TV to celebrities, things like that. Like, because you know, it's interesting to me, and I still get this. Like. Yeah, but have you worked with the airline before? Like, well, no, not technically. We haven't worked with the airline before, but you know, we've done marketing for multi-billion-dollar projects like over the last eight years. But people still want to see: Are you uh, good enough in this unique discipline? Because everybody thinks they're so different. In my opinion, I think marketing: Who's your customer? What's your objective? What are you trying to provide? It kind of, for me, I think it can really work for any type of vertical. But they are also looking for, yeah, Aaron. I'm, I'm interested in you coaching me. What other celebrity clients do you have? What other right. businesses that are similar to mine do you have? And that's a question I think you need to be able to answer. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to be your first, just like high school. You know what right. I'm saying? It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> lot of pressure. So, um, so yeah, so I, I want to get into like, this is, this is a big thing. Okay. I want to really introduce this properly. Every entrepreneur, every entrepreneur knows the phrase, fake it till you make it, hmm. fake it till you make it. Right. They'll go to mentors, they go to advisors, they go to peers, they may go to conferences, networking groups, whatever. And people kind of just like say that. People just say, oh, you got to fake it till you make it, right? So 
that's something you can maybe do a little bit sometimes, like even, you know, like Michael Jordan is a great example of that, which, by the way, you spoke about the NFL. I bet you're glad it wasn't the Raiders and you had the Patriots as the example, just by the way. Um, But talking about like Jordan, nobody anointed this person as the leader of the team. Nobody anointed this, you know, you just kind of like act like it. And then all of a sudden you are the leader, the people who take charge. And right. So when, when you're talking about the highest levels though, Faking it till you make it is something that all of a sudden can leave you exposed. So my question here for both of you, and I'll start with you, David, is when does faking it till you make it start to leave you exposed when you're playing with the big boys, right? At what point do you have to stop faking it in order to make it with big brands and companies? Yeah, it's a good question because I think you know you try your best, and and th- and for us for social media, the industry moves like every three to six months, like pretty drastically. So it's it's not so much fake it till you make it, but like evolve and adjust on a dime. And oh my, you know TikTok is a thing now. Let's make sure we become experts in this field and become that um you know that partner for our clients. But I would say for us, you know, the fake it till you make it where it gets dicey is when you start managing large budgets. So from a paid media standpoint, a media planning standpoint. You know, when you're overseeing a TV launch or a pay-per-view event and they want to put $3 million on social and at a home, um, you don't want to fake it till you make it there. Like that, you're, you're, you're messing with a ton <laughs> of money there and people's million-dollar budgets. You can't just learn as you go, like, oh, let's figure out how to do Facebook ads. Like, no, if you can't do it internally, you better hire a consultant. I never knew how to buy, you know, ads in, in Times Square, but you better believe we bought or we brought on a consultant that did that for 25 years so we can offer that to our clients. So those are the things With expertise, where, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I think it, we get it. When you're building a company, you're not going to be able to fulfill every need, but make sure you spend money on proper consultants that can kind of get you over that edge, train you a little bit so you can speak the game. Because if not, you can make a huge mistake that can cost you your credibility as well. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with what David said. I'm going to kind of add something to that in a slightly different perspective. The way I usually position this conversation is, you know, you can fake your your track record or your experience. You know, if you're young or you're you're newer at something, and yeah, you're gonna fudge or kind of bolster your experience or your track record. But to your point, David, when it comes down to delivery, you better be on point. And you know, Coin, I know you're this way, David. I know you're this way because we're we're friends and, and colleagues. All of us have spent sleepless nights, early mornings tireless weeks, preparing, preparing, preparing for execution. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of, a lot that people miss is they get excited and they're, they're faking it a little bit, but they don't realize that where they have to invest time, energy, and effort is preparation, 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 double check, triple check. So when you go into something, you nail it. So your results are what matter. So if you're newer at something, you don't have much of a track record, no problem. You start producing results, people will forget about your past. They want the results. Yeah, and one anecdote I will say that where you can't kind of fake to make it that we did early on is we didn't necessarily work with any NBA or NFL teams, but we did a ton of spec work. And what we did in our decks is we would show like, you know, here's a campaign that we did in honor of the Patriots Super Bowl. 
And it's really interesting. 99% of people will just assume you worked with the Patriots on that work. <laughs> now, obviously, that's creative, that's strategy, that's kind of narrative development. You can't fake if you're a construction home builder, hey, this is a stadium that we built. Like, if you're going to move to that level and say, I'm going to move from residential homes to stadiums, you can't fake it. Oh, yeah, we've done that before. So it's a little bit different based on industry. But there are certain industries like ours where, hey, Nobody, I really want to work in athleisure. Nobody's hired us in athleisure yet. So let me do a bunch of spec work and a bunch of strategy and narrative development and commercial development so I can show that case study alongside other work I've done. And really, the assumption is you everything you're showing me, you've actually done for that specific client, uh, which is kind of interesting. I've taken on stuff that has nothing to do with what I actually want to do long term as far as the size of the project or maybe some of the esoterics, yep. just to be able to say I did one of these. Yes, and maybe for Aaron's point, he may offer his service free of charge for his first celebrity client. Like, I'm not going to charge you anything just to get that logo on the website. So then his credibility in that vertical is now completely. Uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So on that same track, you know, what are the things that you have to change within your company and your team as the size of your client changes? Can you talk about that for us? Yeah. You know, one analogy I constantly use with my team from like year two, when I was like getting out of my bedroom and, and hiring our first couple of employees to today, is really this emergency room analogy, right? So the emergency room, you have nurses and they are watching over people that are in life and death situations. And guess what? After 12 hours, they go home, they sit down with their colleague, they go over chart notes, and they're able to literally in life and death situations know what the patient is, what the medication they took, what their injuries are, and here's all the updates. Okay, bye. And they're out of there. Right. So from an agency standpoint, I think a lot of agency owners do it wrong, where they tell their you know, their employees have your phone on you 24 seven, whenever the client emails you, you know, you better jump on it. People are on vacation, pulling their laptop out in the airport. And I just never wanted to create a culture that way. And I also think it's a flawed system. So for us, every single client has three to four people that know that client inside and out. So if somebody is sick, they have to take a leave of absence. They, God forbid, have to take a vacation or a weekend off. There's chart notes, there's pass off documents, and also there's this ability where three or four people have been on every call over the last year as well. So there, there's not going to be a drop off and the client won't get the B team just because your star employee decided to take a vacation out in Cancun. So that's one thing as you grow in scale, I want to make sure whether it's Sally, Tom or Aaron, that, that my client gets the exact same customer service, regardless if somebody is sick or not. And that's when you really have to build those processes. Oh, yeah. I kind of like the ER analogy. If you can figure out life and death, we're just doing social media. It's not life and death, so we can figure it out. Yeah, and I want to pivot on this. This is such a good point, Dave, that you brought up. When I'm looking at this for from a company and they're scaling and they're looking at, man, what do I need to do with my infrastructure? What do I need to do with yeah. my team so we can keep this ball rolling and keep making this a new norm? You hit the nail on the head. It's culture. That is one of the mm -hmm. biggest things I see a lot of companies drop the ball on and David, you know, hats off to you, your company culture, you've gone from, you know, zero employees to what, no, almost over 60 employees right now. It's impressive. Your culture is stellar. It's one of the reasons we want to have you on is you're walking your talk. You're, you're working yeah. with the biggest brands in the world and your culture is absolutely impeccable. So a couple of things I want to highlight here for everybody as far as takeaways, one takeaway, hire top talent. When you want to play with the big boys, you better bring on top talent. Don't skimp. I watch a lot of entrepreneurs get very chintzy and cheap here. You want to invest in talent. Bring on the best. Train the best. 
generate really, really good culture. And then finally, once you have that great culture, you have those great employees, put in those KPIs, put in those that tracking mechanism so that you're tracking everything. So that way, if anything in your corporation starts to falter or wobble, you can see it in the KPIs. You can see it quickly. You can make that adjustment before your client ever notices. Totally agree. I think another thing I'd say is hire slow, fire fast. If somebody is not working out, make sure to, because what it it really does is somebody's not performing or not dependable, it brings the entire team down. And I think to what you just said, Aaron, you know, when you first start a company, it's you and your business partner, you and one employee, you can will yourself out of a situation. You can stay up 23 hours and, and make sure that a client is happy or make sure your phone's always on you. Once you start scaling past you know, you, you know, a couple of employees, then you have to start relying on people. That's the scariest thing for entrepreneurs as you grow and scale. Like now I can't guarantee the result because right. I'm not personally doing that. So that's when you better have the training manuals, the documents and the uh, KPIs. And another huge thing is what is our purpose? What is our vision? What is our core values of the company? How do we present ourselves? How do we hold each other accountable? So that way it's not like, oh, David's mad at me or David's being weird. No, we all agreed to like a core value statement. We're going to be dependable, respectful, positive, friendly, whatever those core values are for your company. And then it just becomes a neighborhood, you know, self-policing policy yeah. where your employees are also saying, hey, you know, Sally's being kind of negative. Like that's not part of our core values. Like she needs to step up. So that's really, that really changed the game completely for our company. Aaron, I know you remember this. Is Once we sat down and established our purpose as a company, our, our long-term vision and our core values that we hold everybody accountable to, that just became, all right, If you, whether you're David or you're the 60th employee, you have the same values of how you treat your clients and your employees. Yeah. And Ryan, I want your, your take on this from a technological perspective. When you see companies that are scaling and growing, they're bringing on larger clients. What does a company need to focus on? From a technology standpoint, well, I mean, scalable solutions are really everything. You know, um, a lot of what David was talking about just now screams at me. You know, what gets you to the first million doesn't get you to the next five, right? There's a lot of that in there. Yes. Uh, technology is the same way. You can get away. Like there was, there's a fashion company that I've, I've been lucky to support since the day that they started in 2009. Um, they're a major fashion brand. Two hundred dollar, you know, uh, resort wear swimsuits and different kinds of things. They're sold in, you know, Saks and Barney's and you know the W Hotel resorts around the world. The first day that I walked in, it was like an unfinished office in Midtown Manhattan that was all concrete, exposed and damp. They were using Dropbox. They had an HP inkjet printer and four iMacs <laughs> and a bunch of spirit and gumption. Very quickly, it's like, okay, we need to get all this stuff managed the right way. What's our onboarding process look like? What's our offboarding process? Are you using personal accounts for email? What do we do to put this all under an administrated kind of thing? Where's the data stored and how is the access permission controlled and what's the flexibility for mobility? And a lot of that has been hyper accelerated because of COVID and work from home, even more than it already was. But that kind of brings me to a question that came up that I've been dying to ask you since you were talking about this, 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 uh, the size of your company and all these things that you're working on. What are the tools that you guys are using? Are you on G Suite or 365? How do you manage your projects? Can you talk about the software and the tools that go into this for you? Yeah. One thing that just made me remind, just reminded me when you said that too, Ryan, is that going back to well clients, I mean, if you're working for Beyonce, let's say, and you have access to her Instagram, and you have a rogue employee that goes crazy and leaves the company, you know, 
there's a lot of damage that can be done, not only for that celebrity or for that whale client, but for your reputation in the industry forevermore. Mm -hmm. So what is your offboarding policy if somebody goes crazy and you have to offboard them? Do you reset the passwords? Do you let the client know what's happening? Like those are the things where don't fake it till you make it because that can be the difference and really, again, be a multi-million dollar mistake. Or criminal because... negligence, really. It depends. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So, but as far as a software standpoint, uh, pretty early on, we uh, got Rike, which is like an Asana equivalent if people know about content management systems. That changed the game for us because we were, every time any piece of creative, anything from the client was needed, we made a work order inside Rike. We added the people that needed to be on it. We commented on that specific project. When that project was done, we closed it and kind of like filed it away for forevermore. So we use, we, man, we use, we use a lot. We use Rike. We use Slack. We are completely on the G suite from like an email sheet slides perspective. Uh, we use a, a HR platform called 15.5 for virtual uh, feedback from our employees. We just onboarded that recently. Yeah, the HR piece is really is really a big one. We I, I like JustWorks a lot. You know, it's these tools that make it uh, you know AR HR centralized, uh, making the information available easily to employees, and kind of they're the ones that spend the time. Uh, going out of their way, not only collecting almost like internal CSAT scores from your from yes. your staff, um, but also making sure that they're being kept informed and all these things are available for their well-being and different kinds of things too. Yeah. And two big things I'll share from a scalability standpoint is uh, we use T-Sheets. I know there's other uh -huh. um, harvests and things like that out there. We track every single minute that we work on a client so we can assess the profit margin on said client and adjust our pricing accordingly. That data is so impe so impeccable, A, and then B, it's so imperative to make sure, A, people aren't overworked, B, they're not you know working on too much client work, and, and that kind of utilization rate is constantly looked at. So that's huge. And then front is a, is a team inbox we use, and this is another thing, as you grow and scale with big clients, every email um, or every client has their own email. So let's call it, you know, um, you know, we'll call it patriots at stn.digital. It's like their actual email that goes into an entire team inbox. We have somebody monitoring that seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So no matter, there's always somebody monitoring that inbox. That's so it's amazing. almost like a, Ryan, you know this from an IT standpoint, it's almost like a help ticket where you only have somebody at the ticket desk and they can say, hey, thank you so much. We're looking into this for you. Let me let your account manager there's know. There's whatever. visibility for the group. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, and for like the VPs of the company, even myself, I, I go in there probably four or five times a week and just check and see just how our clients are responding to emails. If we miss deadlines, it's like, it's a really cool thing where even at the very top, I can really go granular at any client, any project if I chose to. So all that's public. Every account manager can have access to that. And it actually kind of keeps them honest too, it right? Because they don't want to have a bad email come into the team inbox and kind of you know put them on blast sure, that the sure. client's not, not yeah. happy. So that was huge for scalability to make sure, again, someone's on vacation, that you don't have to let the client know. Just keep on emailing this email. We'll right. And I'll, I'll make yeah. sure for our audience that's listening, I'm, I'll make sure to put the links to all these different tools in the show notes. So in case you're curious yeah. and you want to totally just you know, rip David's face off and wear it like a mask and copy him from top to bottom. You can totally do that. <laughs> totally. Um, what do you guys use for, for like marketing and content planning? Do you use like Sprout Social or something like Hootsuite or what do you guys use yeah, for good that? Yeah, good question. Yeah. So from a, exactly. We, we do is actually Sprout Social for listening and uh, posting things like that for all of our clients. And then we have a couple different um, like CrowdTangle, uh, some different analytical suites as well. Um, for paid media and analytics and things like that. But yeah, Sprout Social is how we actually deliver the 
the social media good to uh, I to dig it. Crowd tingle sounds like somebody spiked the punch at the party. I like that a lot. <laughs> Crowd tingle is free, um, and it gives you well for for partners and clients like that, and it gives you access to public data for all Instagram and Facebook. And it's amazing, it's incredible. All right, so I want to want to get into our our final question here as we kind of come around yep. the home stretch. Um, what do CEOs need to learn most so their company can work with the top brands in the world? To talk about specifically from, like we've covered the team, we've covered the technology, we've covered, you know, maybe the path there, uh, things you need to shore up around your your credibility and whether or not you're legit and ready to actually hang. But what is the owner? What is the CEO? What are the what? What do you? What was your biggest thing that you would say to another person? Like, hey, this applies to nowhere else in your business except for you. What do they need to know that they can work with the top brands it, in the world? It sounds like a cop-out answer, but some of this stuff is simplistic in nature. It's all about relationships. And early on in my company, like they knew they can call David and he would be an expert and he would be able to help them. And all of a sudden, David and STN came synonymous with, these guys help me out of jams. These guys are able to make me look good in front of my boss. Like It literally comes down to that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think understanding that you're, you're, you're trying to fill that need, obviously, a, you know, availability is the best ability type thing. Um, and just making sure that, you know, when you are, like Aaron said, when you are presenting yourself to these top brands, that you're coming correct, you're coming with the right case studies, the right examples, the right strategy. So they know like, wow, I mean, now I think about it, if we had this team on our team, we would actually be better off and we would be able to hit our goals a lot, a lot, a lot faster. So, um, I know that sounds kind of simplistic in nature, but I think it's so but important. Listen, you, no, you, no, no. you cover sports teams. Yeah. How often are they focused on the on the fundamentals and make, they fundamentals? Yeah, they that's they a good practice point. the yeah. same thing exactly. over and over again. You're not you're the yeah. opposite of Allen Iverson. Okay, you show up at practice. And I think good. one thing we haven't mentioned is I don't know who taught me this, but the three up, three down philosophy. When you have a point of contact at one of these whale clients, we've been calling them. Um, in my industry anyway, these people move like every two to three years. Right. Like someone from Amazon goes to Twitter. Someone from Twitter goes to Fox. Someone from Fox goes to CBS. And you don't want to lose that business or lose that all that rapport that you've built over three years simply because one person leaves. So I really heard this analogy that I try to make sure true. Like if you work with a director of marketing, you better know the CMO and the COO, but you also better know the marketing manager and the assistant marketing That's right. manager. So kind of three up, three down, because guess what? One thing's going to happen, either the CMO's going to come down and kind of be the intern for a while, or someone's going to be called up. And as long as you have a relationship with all of them, oh, yeah, I know STN. I know David. You're exactly. great. Yeah, let's keep it rolling. Let me go ahead and sign this contract, make sure you guys are all set, and then we'll get a new point of contact for you in a couple months rather than, hey, so we're STN. You know, we've done a lot of great work here and like beg for that phone call to kind of prove yep. yourself. all. And over I'm sure the again, same so. person is now a champion for you where they go next. You know, that's happened. That happened to me recently. That's yeah. Huge. One, of, one of our, one of our clients at one of the agencies yep. I'm involved with, uh, they closed their private consulting firm and went to work in the C-suite at a major fashion brand and got us in right away. You know? Yep. Yeah. Now we work with, we were the TNT and TBS over the last seven years now. And we had, you know, an assistant marketing manager, always friendly, always kind of chopped it up with them. He goes to Amazon and brings us one of our largest deals. That's right. you know? So, that's um yeah it, that relationship like you think I only need to impress the CMO or the CEO you better impress everybody that you interact with because it's gonna pay dividends down the road yeah and that's something to talk about here too I want to expand on this is relationships like you know the question here what can CEOs really learn and develop themselves in if they want to get these bigger brands they want to keep growing their yeah. business it's relationships David you you touched on that's where you started. I don't think everyone understands how important that is building relationships has become a lost art. Communication, 
has become a lost art. I mean, David, you and I and your staff, we work on their communication, uh, geez, regularly, yep. right? Yeah. So my advice to CEOs out there, which David, you can you can even share some stories if you want to. You know, I'll, I'll fly to New York to meet with some of my my bigger clients. I don't need to. I was asked this just uh, just last night. I was talking to a friend about this. Like, why don't you just do Zoom? Because nothing beats breaking yep. bread with a client. Mm. Nothing beats face to face having a coffee and actually being able to connect with another human. So my advice to people is go the extra mile, get your butt on an airplane, get in a car, go for a drive. That face-to-face time is clutch in not only landing, but maintaining and retaining those big clients. One of my best pieces of advice I got from a mentor early on in my career was, you never know who's gonna pull you up that ladder to success. And if you want to work with whale clients, it may be your neighbor, it may be your aunt, it may be your cousin who just learns about your dream and your vision and says, actually, I know somebody over at Coca-Cola, I can make an intro. Uh And then the rest is history. And I think I so agree with you, Aaron. So many college students ask me about how do I network more? How do I get, you know, in with more people that I want to be in my career? And it's not it's not networking at a conference. It's not networking at a peer group on a Wednesday night. It's literally 100% of all your interactions and communications with humans. That's networking. Right. Like every time you speak with somebody, that's an opportunity. And if you want to look at it that way from like a dollar sign standpoint, be my guest. But I think once you realize like, I'm just going to be a good human, I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to ask people how they're doing, how they've been, regardless if they're a junior, a junior person on an account or they're the CEO and treat everybody up and down with respect. Um, it's just going to pay dividends on the road. Cause like, yeah, I love Aaron. That's a good guy. I remember he, uh, he t- took time out of his day and reached out to me. I'm going to definitely call him when I need his help. So yeah. that's, that's, my yeah. Cause you also avoid sure. like the whole idea of maybe you're only buttering up the people who are the decision makers. Like they right. talk about you good Can't behind your back when you do stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it's like that person that is the decision maker, they may really tremendously value the opinion of the person that's outside their office that you yes. spoke to first. And then they say, you're fantastic and great to work with. That's right. And it's like that person who wants to be involved in the process less in their mind, they envision being removed from this a little more once the trust is there. And if they know you have a good rapport with the staff around them, they feel even more comfortable that they can just kind of let go of the reins and let everybody yes. sing and fly. So uh, yeah. that, that clicks for me too. And I experienced that. That's great. And and I think Aaron and I talked a lot about this, but just random act of kindness. You know, one of my clients one time uh, was talking about how his, his headphones broke or weren't working well. And I sent him some AirPods, you know, just like overnight. And it wasn't really calculated like, oh, this is going to get me in and <laughs> give me some brownie points with the client. But just, I thought it was a nice thing to do. And like to this day, like three years later, like, I'll tell you what, man, like every time I put these AirPods on, I just remember how, how thoughtful that was. Ah, no worries, buddy. I mean, you, you, you send, you send so much business my way. The least I could do is send you a hundred dollar pair of AirPods. Absolutely. But that's a little stuff that if you take the time, like any relationship, right? Take the time and, and choose to learn about somebody and, and do things that not your average person's going to do, you're going to all of a sudden uh, be first to mind when they, when they need. I like that. Yeah. Maybe don't send a bidet, right? There's, there's, there are certain things that you shouldn't send somebody maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, so, okay. So in, in summary, Aaron, do you want to take us through like some key takeaways here based on everything we've talked about? Yeah. I mean, to summarize this up, I mean, David and I are very much in lockstep. I know you're in lockstep, Ryan, you got to have communication. The communication has to be there. You have to have the digital tools in your organization to allow your staff to communicate well, which then allows you to communicate with your your uh, your high end uh, you know customer well. 
So communication, communication, communication. Build those relationships. Really work on your credibility. Look at how your business is presenting itself out into the world. And though it, it is important, it needs to be great, we definitely must have our product and service be perfect. So invest in that, prepare, prepare, prepare. Yeah, and I think to ladder off that, you know, it's really difficult to be a one-man band for these larger clients because they keep on coming to you for, we need more help or we need this, or can you, you know, fly out and do that? So I think this conversation has been interesting because we started off with well clients, but it kind of turned into a scaling conversation and culture because you can't really work with a multi-billion dollar client with two employees. I mean, it's possible, but what's going to happen is they're going to go to you. You're going to have to say no to them a lot, and then you're not really that reliable source they can go to. So that's why I think the the growing your team and making sure that, you know, the David Brickley or Aaron Keith, um, you know, feel is going to be the same with your next employee and the employee after that. How do you build the systems and processes to make sure that the same precision and care that you had early on as the solo person will be translated down to your entire team? An easy example in pop culture where I kind of saw exactly what you're talking about. I'm not sure if anybody watches Better Call Saul, you know, the sequel series to Breaking Bad. Yeah, I love it. But Kim Wexler, she had that bank, right, as her only client. Her biggest client was her Mm -hmm. only client. And they liked that they had this attention of this one person, but pretty quickly it only took like, what, half a season before it it caught. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's, Uh you can't do it. You can't do it. So it's important to have that team around you, which we've also covered in previous build episodes, especially in our, um, exit strategy and selling your company about having oh, yeah. a team around you when it comes to something like that. Um, that trusted group around you is super important. So thank you both. And by the way, like just to give you guys some props, like, you know, you, I know Aaron, you and I have talked about so much of this stuff, but like th- this show is is so valuable to any business owner or executive just to kind of dig into the ins and outs. Cause I think not enough people talk about this stuff and, and it's so valuable and so imperative to business success and making sure that you continue to grow and protect jobs and all those important things that we all do. So kudos to both of you for, you know, taking the time to do this. I think I know, I know it provides a ton of value for a lot of people. Thanks man. Yeah. We appreciate it. We, yeah. we, we definitely try that. That is a five-star review, which segues into if yes. you're, if you're listening to this and you're really enjoying the content, please make sure that you leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, subscribe, make sure you subscribe. You got to do that to help other like-minded entrepreneurs such as yourself find the show your engagement and your approval helps the metrics and helps expose the show and the algorithm to make sure that this grows, that this knowledge and these tools that we're sharing, the wisdom and the experience of the entrepreneurs that we have on here and the experience that Aaron shares with us week in and week out is is emanating out and getting out to as many people as possible. So please make sure to subscribe and to leave us a review there. I want to thank everybody. And just to confirm, is this episode 23? Episode 23, Jordan. Michael Jordan. That's I, it. I mean, I don't know if you guys planned that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Our logo is the goat. He's one of my favorite players. I mean, hundred percent. That's fact, amazing. When I, when I see the jump man, I almost <laughs> see you doing that with the hand. Yeah, yeah thank absolutely. You. Got the same haircut. <laughs> absolutely. So with so with that, I want to thank you, David Brickley from STN Digital, for joining us today. I hope you had an excellent Anytime, time. Fellas. And Aaron, thank you as always for being the driver and the absolutely. reason that all this is possible with all that you do for Buildify across the entire ecosystem of Buildify products. Thank you to our audience for listening, and we look forward to your feedback on this episode. Make sure to check the show notes for some goodies, where to find David. Oh, David, I, don't, I didn't ask you. Where can people find you if yep. they want to reach out and get in touch? 
yeah, I'm on all the all the things. Uh, Instagram, David J. Brickley. Same on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Just search David Brickley. You'll, I'm sure you'll stumble across me. Excellent. <laughs> Very difficult to avoid. It's, it seems that way. Yeah. People run into you eventually. It's, it feels Fortunately like. and unfortunately. Very good. Sure. Very good. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode on landing whale clients and talking about being on the biggest playing fields with David Brickley of STN Digital. Thank you so much to my co-host, Aaron Keith. And thank you to our loyal listeners for another Build a Soda in the Books. See you soon, everybody. 